film, There's No Place Like Home. Genesis 32. Genesis chapter 32 in your Bibles, please. The title of this morning's message is Getting Past the Past. Getting Past the Past. Now, today is a very special day. It's the first Sunday in 2024 that was mentioned already. Today, we embark on a new year together, and I trust that we are entering into this year with, with hopeful anticipation. 2023 was a mixed year. It was a year of birth for some and death for others. It was a year for some to be saved, for others to submit to baptism and to church membership. 2023 might have been, might have contained victories, and we will remind ourselves of those victories again and again as if they encourage us, but it also might have been, it might have contained regrets that we'd rather just leave in the past. Either way, we have to move on. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, brethren, it's very difficult to press towards the mark of 2024 if we're unable to forget those things which are behind. Isn't that right? In other words, if we find ourselves struggling to leave 2023, or even that, before that, should I say, in the past, how can we fully embrace 2024? We've got to leave the past in the past to embrace the future. Some people have a difficult life. And our text of scripture this morning concerns a man who had some deep struggles and dark secrets in his past. You might say he had skeletons in his closet. Jacob ran away from home, leaving a big mess behind him. But he came to the realization if he was ever going to move on in life, he had to deal with his failures. The title, again, of this morning's message is Getting Past the Past. Genesis chapter 32, we're looking at verse 3, and it says this. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak unto my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have so sojourned with Laban, and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and asses, flocks and man, men servants and women servants. And I have sent to tell my lord that I may find grace in thy sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and he also cometh to meet thee, with, and four hundred men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him, and the flocks and herds and camels into two bands, and said, If Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company shall, which is left shall escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which saith unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all thy mercies, and of all the truth which thou hast shown unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I have become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. 
And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good, and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I do pray as we look at this scripture this morning. I pray you give us the wisdom and grace to follow the instruction of it. Give us the wisdom and grace to learn from Jacob. What he did was very difficult. But Lord, it paved the way to tremendous blessing in his life. Lord, I pray that this year will be a great year for every single person in this room and beyond. Pray this will be a year of great spiritual decisions because we made the hard decisions, because we did the difficult thing, because we confronted what we needed to confront, because we made the decisions we needed to make. Lord, I pray for great blessing upon your people. But we know from scripture the only way we can obtain that blessing is if we make the, the hard decisions and difficult decisions. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room may obtain those blessings and make the hard decisions and the difficult decisions. And I pray that blessing will be multiplied upon each family and upon each home. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. You know, there's a scripture that says, a brother is born for adversity. Now, I don't know what that means. It could mean a brother born for adversity in that when you go through a hard time, your brother is always there. Or else it could mean that a brother is always there to fight with. There are many people who have experienced a lot of tension with their brother or with their sister growing up. And it was always fighting, always scrapping. And I know of certain brothers. And to this day, they're fighting. I mean, they've always been fighting, and their youth, they, they were fighting, and now they're in their 70s, and they're still fighting over something. And that would be the, the, the misuse, if you like, of that verse, the brother is born for adversity. But in our text this morning, we're considering two brothers, Jacob and Esau, and boy, did they fight. And you know what? Jacob was returning home again, but to be able to return home, he had to deal with the struggle that he had, this mess that he left behind. So the first thing I want to share with you this morning is this. To deal with the past, we must confront the past. Now that's hard. It's challenging. It's difficult. If you're like me, you don't like confrontations. There are some people. There's a, 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 a person I, that I, we were needing to resolve something with. And uh, we contacted this person. And, and this person was like, sure, let's go. Let's meet. And there are some people who just love confrontations. And we're like, well, I sort of do want to meet, and I sort of don't want to meet. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I want to meet if it's going to be good at the end. But if it's not going to be good at the end, I don't know if I want to meet, because I'm one of those people that I don't want to confront people. I don't like confrontations. There are times we need to confront. But I only want to confront if I, if I know at the end of it it's going to turn out well. Are you with me this morning? Jacob was in that situation where he didn't know how this was going to work out. But one thing I want to share with you, the past does not go away. Look at verse 9. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, and Lord which says unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of thy mercies, and of all thy truth which thou hast shown unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over to Jordan, and now become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. This happened 20 years ago. 
There are people in this room who aren't even 20 years old. You say, 20 years is a very long time. For those of us who have a few more years under our belt, 20 years is still a long time, isn't it? But brethren, people can say time is a healer, but it's not always a healer. Time is a healer in that if, if you want to do what's right before the Lord. Recently, Jenny and I came across people that uh, we didn't stop loving and we didn't stop praying for, but they were upset with us. And it was in the States. And they were upset with us. And this was seven, we hadn't seen them in seven years. And when we saw them, the first thing we purposed to do was give them a great big hug. Why? To show them how much we love them, that we hadn't changed no matter what they did. I was glad that the hope was received well. And it came to my mind, time is a healer. But it's not always a healer. I mean, for time to be a healer, you've got to deal with the past, isn't that right? The past doesn't just go away. And that's what Jacob came to find out. Jacob had been a trickster, a supplanter. In fact, that's what Jacob means. It means supplanter. Someone who takes the position of another who was there first. That's a supplanter. It's like, you know, when, when, when somebody's there first, they're first in the queue, and they're, they're queuing up to get this prize, and somebody goes right in front of them. Have you ever been queuing up for a very long time, and somebody brings, and, and there's somebody in front of you, and then the friends come along. Oh, yeah, and they join the queue. And their friends keep going and going and going. I was, I love steak. You've probably never heard that before. But we decided, you know what? We're going to go to North Country Steak Buffet and we're going to have a steak because I love steak. So we went there. And there were a few people there. It was like a high school wrestling team. They were there. And so I said, Jenny, just jump in the queue. So we hold up because it was freezing outside. And there was no snow, but it was freezing outside. I said, we'll hold the queue and you hold the queue. And then the team kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. There were like a hundred of them. And they were all hungry. And guess what? We decided to go somewhere else. Because they supplanted us. They went in front of us. You with me here this morning. The idea of holding a queue maybe for a few people is okay, but not for a hundred people. And, the, and it was first come, first serve, and they just kept on coming. They kept skipping the queue, and I was like, I'm not going to argue with those wrestlers. I don't want to show them up. <laughs> but that was Jacob. Jacob was a supplanter. He just, he just wanted to be there first, even though he wasn't first. He bartered Esau out of his birthright, and he conned Esau out of his blessing. He grabbed his brother by the heel, taking possession of his promises. Esau didn't care about the birthright when it was still in his possession. But when it was taken away, Esau was angry. Though the birthright was promised to Jacob, he sought to take possession of his blessing the wrong way. He handled it badly. He went about it the wrong way. Brethren, sometimes in our past, we handle things not quite the right way. Like the time I was trying to reach my sister for the Lord, when she was caught up in this religion, this false religion. And I called her up at two in the morning to have a conversation with her. And I just remember her words, Leslie, go back to bed. <laughs> That's all she said. But boy, did that slow close the door of my ability to witness to her. Brethren, we might have exploded on loved ones rather than patiently working through difficulties. Words said in haste, in the heat of the moment, are not easily taken back. And enough heat of exchanges leaves relationships in tatters. People don't always want to start again the next day. They just don't want to do that. 
We might not have listened when we should have. We might have missed opportunities to build and in doing so we lost what we had. We might have taken offence over a minor issue and severely strained important relationships. We might have refused to back down when we could have. Sometimes it doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong. You wouldn't be here. Sometimes it's not worth fighting over stuff. We might have turned a mountain into a molehill. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindled, James tells us. When we are right or convinced that we're right about something, we can, like Jacob, take matters into our own hands. Rather than seeking clear guidance from the Lord, we can do a lot of damage. Isn't that true? That was Jacob. That was Jacob. Now, before we make important statements or make important decisions, we should learn the importance of a few things. Fervency in prayer. So many people make decisions off the cuff without going to the Lord in prayer and saying, Lord, should I do this? And you know what? If we don't seek the Lord, sometimes we find that decisions we made were bad decisions and we have to pay for it later. That was Jacob. He didn't go to fervent prayer. And he did. And there's importance of seeking godly counsel. I'm so blessed when God's precious people come to me and say, I'm about to make this decision, what do you think? It's not like I know everything, I know that. But it's sort of nice to have ideas bounced off you now and again. It's nice to know that God's people are seeking counsel before they make decisions, it's important, isn't it? Especially when they're making life-changing decisions. Some people make life-changing decisions without seeking godly counsel, and that was Jacob. He sought the counsel of his mother, not godly counsel at the time. Would you agree with that? Some people make decisions without Take, considering the importance of carefully weighing up the pros and cons. You know, sometimes it's good to write down and get a chart and say, pros, cons, and list them all out. What are the benefits? What's this decision going to cost me? It's very important to weigh up the cost. We should always want to be in God's will. The Lord's Spirit and the Lord's Word will never lead contrary to His will. But unfortunately, we, like Jacob, easily stray and we have made unwise decisions in the past. We all have. Isn't that true? Some decisions we've made have been more costly than others. And when these things offend God or hurt others, the Lord wants us to deal with it. We can't just pretend it's, it's going to go away. Sometimes we want just to forget about our failures and just say, look, I just want to forget about it. I don't want to talk about it. That's being human, right? Because we, we don't want to deal with it. We want our bad decisions to go away, but consequences don't go away. I wonder how many times Jacob wished Esau's anger would just go away. But some people just can't get over it when they're badly treated. Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Jacob sowed deception, then he reaped anger. And that's why God wanted him to deal with it. And you know what the Lord does when he wants us to deal with something? He brings us right back to that place and says, okay, here's your second chance. And if you blow it again, in his grace and his mercy, he brings us right back again, here's your third chance. Unless we completely remove ourselves from the situation and then we've lost the opportunity altogether, which is not a good idea. 
But God in his grace and his mercy brings us back to that place where we have to deal with it and deal with it the second time so we can deal with it and, 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 and make the right decision because God wants us to succeed, brethren. God wants us to succeed. Even when we fail, God wants us to get up again because a just man falleth seven times and what does he do? Rises up again and then he wants us to succeed by making the right decision the second time when we have those opportunities. Now I understand there are some things you do not get a second chance with. Sadly, some divorces, some marriages, should I say, end up in divorce. And you don't get a second chance with that one normally. And, and, and sometimes when we break relationships with our children, sadly, some children don't give their parents a second chance. That's wrong. I agree. It's wrong. Sometimes parents don't give their children a second chance. Sometimes spouses don't give the other, they will we'll live in the same house, but things will never be the same again, and they don't give people a second chance. And we know that's a lack of grace, I understand that, but that can't be life. So we have to be very careful of decisions we make. And when God gives us a second chance, we want to get it right the second time, don't we? And this was Jacob. Sometimes we want to forget about our failures in the past, but we can't. Because the past doesn't just go away but it must be dealt with by pointed prayer. And this is what we need to do when we've made decisions that were not the right decisions and we need to retrace our steps. We need to deal with it by pointed prayer. Look at verse 23. 23 in your, in your scriptures here. We're going to learn from Jacob how to deal with stuff the right way when we don't get it right the, the first time. Look at verse 22, actually. Verse 22 says this. And he rose up, that's Jacob, that night and took his two wives. Okay, bad decision there, but we leave that. He, he took his two wives and two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over to Fort Jabbok, verse 23. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent them and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. One of the greatest things that can happen to you is be left alone at times. Now some of us are people, persons. Am I saying that the right way? People, people? Okay, person, persons. <laughs> some of us love to be around people. And we don't want to be on our own. But sometimes we need to be on our own so we can get along with God. So if God gives you that situation where you're on your own, use it as an opportunity to spend time with God. Sometimes we can get so distracted that we don't want to spend time with God. Or we get so distracted we don't have time to spend time with God. But we're just getting distracted. So the Lord in His mercy and in His grace sometimes gives us an opportunity where we don't have people around us. Don't waste that opportunity. Take that opportunity. That's a God-given opportunity. Take it. That's what Jacob had. He had that opportunity. He needed that time alone with God. When all is well, we struggle to find that pointed time of prayer. Jacob was busy. He was tired. Brethren, traveling takes it out of you. He was traveling back, wasn't he? He was traveling back to, to, to his, his, his homeland. And he had to manage his household and his financial affairs on the road. Now many of us can relate to that. We were just in the States. And you know what? When you're in the States and you're traveling, you have to take care of your household issues and the household details. And then you also have to take care of sermon preparation and contacting pastors and being in communication and spending time with people. And you know one of the hardest things when we're in the States is to say no to people. There are people that come up to us and say, can we spend time with you? And it happens all the time. And we have to say no to several people and say, I have to get you the next time. That's hard. 
Because you can only be pulled in so many places. Traveling takes it out of you. It just does. And here's Jacob, and he was traveling, and he was busy, and we all can understand that. It's easy to be too busy to pray. But when your checkered past is catching up on you like Jacob's was, there's nothing more important than prayer. We talked about Bible study this morning and getting into your Bible every day. And one of the things we talked about, and some people mentioned, is people will read their Bible daily when it's a priority. And I thought that was really well said. But can I add to that what that person said and say, people will pray daily and have point of prayer times daily when it's a priority. And this was a priority for, Dave, for, 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 for Jacob because he was having to focus or, or face something he didn't want to face. Jacob, now listen, I want to say this to you and I want to say this respectfully. Jacob needed to have it out with God. Now that sounds very disrespectful, doesn't it? But he needed to have it out with God. Look at verse 24. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Now this is a picture of prayer, right? And we, we all get this as you read through the passage, it's a picture of prayer. Jacob was literally wrestling with God. He needed to complain to God. Psalm 142 verse 1 and 2. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and with my voice unto the Lord did I make supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. There are times you need to cry out to God and tell God exactly how you feel and hold nothing back. Now we need to be respectful because he's the almighty, but we need to do this. You with me here this morning. Because we're human, and God knows our frame, and he knows we're human, and he knows how we feel. Sometimes we just need to get it all out. Does that make sense? Amen. That's really important. We need to have it out with God very respectfully, but I want you to understand what I'm saying. Please understand what I'm saying. He needed to complain to God. He needed to reason with God. Isaiah 118, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. There are times we need to reason with God. And do you know what happens when we reason with God? Every single time we realize he's right and we're wrong. Every time, without fail. Sometimes you'll find yourself angry. And you're trying to pray, but you're angry. And so you need to reason with God. Sometimes you're, you're trying to pray and you're just frustrated. And sometimes you're looking at your life and you say, this just isn't fair. Am I being human this morning? But that's how you pray. You pour out your complaint. You tell God exactly how you feel. And you know what he does? He sends angels to minister to us. That's called grace, isn't it? He needed to complain, he needed to reason with God, he needed to wrestle with God. What he didn't realize at the time was the whole point of his wrestling match was to bring him to the point of submission. God wanted to bring Jacob to the place of raising the white flag of surrender. And I dare say there's a number of people this morning here who need to come to a place in your life where you need to raise the white flag of surrender because you're fighting God. You won't do what he says. You don't want to do what he says. You don't like what God says. And you might say, I just don't understand. 
Well, you really do understand. You just don't want to understand. Because you don't like the answer. You say, how do you know that? I have kids, I get it. <laughs> Sometimes my kids will say, Dad, I don't understand. And that's not that they don't understand. They just don't want to understand. And I know that's the way we are with the Lord. We don't understand. And if we're at that point where we don't understand, don't shut down the communication. Don't close off God. Don't get angry and frustrated. Have it out with him. Because guess who's going to win in the end? You will. Bet you weren't expecting that. You'll win because you can only win when God wins. And if we think we're winning and God doesn't win, we've lost. We've lost. God can only win in our lives. And we can only win when God wins in our lives. Can we put it that way? And you may need to have it out with the Lord. He's ready for you. He's well able to take it. He's the Lord. He's the Almighty. His shoulders are big enough, if I can put it that way. He's able to take your complaints. He heard David many times in his life. Do you understand? He's a, he heard my complaints. He's able to listen to our reasonings and he's able to bring us around like little children to realize where he was right and we're wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because he loves us. But we need to wrestle with him like Jacob did. Brethren, Jacob needed to have it out with God, but Jacob needed to prevail with God. Look at verse 25 and 26. This is amazing. Look at this. I can't, I can't understand this. And I, I presume you can't either. But look what it says in verse 25. When he saw that he prevailed not against him. Now this is the angel wrestling with, with Jacob, which was really the Lord. Okay, But when he saw that he prevailed not with him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go. This is the angel said to Jacob, let me go. This is the Lord. This is a theophany. This is pre-incarnate Christ. This is God himself wrestling with, with, with Jacob. Saying, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Wow. Now, it seems like the angel cheated here. <laughs> Jacob was strong. Jacob was stubborn. Jacob was like, I will not give up. I have never lost a battle in my life and I'm not going to start today. I've never backed down in my life and I'm not going to back down today. And he fought and he fought and he fought until he secured the blessing of God upon his life. And that's what God wants from us. We're not battling with him. Or should I, let, let me put it this way. We're not battling against him. We're battling with him. Does that make sense? Because he wants us to bring us, he wants to bring us to a place where we are seeking his blessing. The whole purpose of this wrestling match was to secure the blessing of God upon his life. Now think about this. He was wrestling with, 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 with God all night. Man, he must have been fit. Have you ever tried to wrestle with somebody? You're exhausted after a few minutes. Okay, I'm done now. He wrestled all night. And he was not going to give up. Failure was not in Jacob's vocabulary. He didn't care if he was fighting with man or an angel. There was no way he was going to give in. But as I said already, Jacob was wrestling with a theophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 30. And Jacob called a place 
the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Could you imagine, after wrestling with this angel, thinking, that was actually God? Wow, why wasn't I crushed into the ground? God could have just spoken, and, 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 and uh, all the molecules and atoms of, of, of Jacob would just disappear. But God didn't. Because God doesn't want to crush us. God wants to break us, but he doesn't want to crush us. He wants to bend our wills so we are in complete submission to his will without breaking our spirits. Does that make sense? God is so gracious. He's so gracious. Not only did Jacob see God's face, but he wrestled with the Almighty and he won. He won by securing God's blessing. He won by submitting completely to the will of God no matter what the cost. He just wanted the blessing of God upon his life. He went about it the wrong way the first time, but he didn't want to go about the wrong way the second time. You with me here? He says, God, if I'm going to get the blessing, let me get it by praying and seeking your face and wrestling with you. I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up. I just need you in my life, no matter what the cost. What was the cost? He was going to limp on his leg for the rest of his life. But it was worth it. That's the blessing of God upon his life. Jacob took his past to the Lord and they confronted it together because that's the only way to move on, brethren. Many of us in this room have a past we'd rather not have. Confront it with the Lord. It's the only way to move on. I want to ask you this morning, do you have a relationship with God that you can do that? Do you have a relationship with God that you can wrestle through struggles in your past and get through to the other side? Because if you don't, you need to get that relationship with God. And it begins by bowing your knee before the Lord Jesus Christ and repenting of your sin and asking him to forgive you and cleanse you and wash you. And I said, Lord, now deal with my life. I give my life to you. And God's going to dig deep because he's so gracious. He's going to dig deep. And you're going to have to go through that with him. But it's worth it. To deal with the past, we must confront it. Number two, to deal with the past, we must deal with regret. Look at Genesis chapter 33. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, Esau came with him 400 men. And he divided their children onto Leah and onto Rachel and onto the two handmaids. And he put the handmaids and their children foremost, Leah and his children after, Rachel and Joseph hindermost. And he passed over them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. Brethren, when we don't deal with the past, the people we hurt think we don't care. Now, it's not that you don't care. It's just people think you don't care because you won't deal with us. I knew of a married couple, for, and they were married for 33 years. They fought a lot. I don't think they ever apologized to each other. I was speaking to another couple recently, married over 20 years. And they just won't sit down and deal with the hard issues. They're drifting. 
Married people can live that way, but a father-son relationship can be that way, or a mother-daughter relationship can be that way, or a mother-son or a father-daughter or whatever. We can have relationships that way. And when I ask the question, why can't you just sit down and work through the problem together? And the answer always comes back the same. There's no point. There's no point. When relationships continue like this for, for years, the hurt just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And the one being hurt thinks the other does not care. It may be true, but it may not be true. If we don't properly deal with the past, the one we're hurting may never know how much we really care. It's like the old adage when the, the, the father passes away and the, the son says he was a hard man but I know he loved me. He never said it but I know he loved me. Better off to say it. When we were saying goodbye to Josiah and Josh, praise God, they had like a 17 or 18 hour journey and they drove all the way through. It was 15 hours straight driving plus whatever stops they had. They, they got in at 2.30 in the morning after leaving 7 in the morning. Um, so I mean it was a long, long, long drive and I was, I couldn't sleep very well. I texted him, are you okay? You still going? No, we're fine, we're fine. And they texted, we're here. But as we said goodbye at the church, I kissed my boys, and I, I love my boys. I love my boys. And I want them to know I love them. And I'm not ashamed to kiss them and hug them and tell them I love my boys. We don't want to miss opportunities like that to let our, our loved ones know how much we love them. Jacob was living with regret because he hadn't done this with his brother. Jacob, before he had this confrontation with his brother, must have been carrying a heavy weight upon his shoulders. No matter what way he looked at it, what he did to Esau was wrong. When Laban tripped, sorry, when Laban tricked him by giving him Leah to wife rather than Rachel, he no, no doubt remembered, oh, I did that to Esau. When Laban tricked him out of his wages, maybe again he thought about Esau. When God told Jacob to return home, he was probably so sick of the trickery, he just wanted to go home and do what he should have had. But how did Jacob deal with the regret? I've got one word, humbly. He dealt with it humbly. Look at verse three. And he passed over them and bowed himself the ground, to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. He bowed before the brother he hurt and offended. He didn't come looking for a fight. He came looking for reconciliation. He didn't come blaming Esau. He came taking full responsibility. I know how he felt. Because that happened to me. On more than one occasion. And when God really dealt with my heart about how I treated somebody else. I didn't care what they did to me. I just wanted to be clean myself. I just want to confess myself. I just want to be right with that person. That was Jacob. Jacob didn't come with excuses or self-defense. He just wanted to prove that he regretted his actions. He bowed before his brother, but he also came with gifts for his brother. Look at verse 8 here, verse 8. And he said, what meaneth, what meanest thou, all, thou by all this drove? Now this is Esau speaking to Jacob, which I met. And he said, these, Jacob said, these are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what thou hast for thyself. And Jacob said, Nay, I, I pray thee, 
If now I have found grace in thy sight, then receive my present at my hand. For therefore I have seen thy face as though I had seen the face of God, and thou hast pleased with me. Take, I pray thee, my blessing that is brought to thee, because God hath dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. And he urged him. And he took it. In Irish culture, you know, when, when um, somebody offers you something, it's polite to say no. You may want to, but you just say no. You know, say, you know, they're sure, you know? I remember going to, first went to America and somebody offered me something. I said, no, that's okay. And they said, sure. And I was offended. <laughs> you know, I, said, I actually really didn't want to. You were meant to ask for me the second time, you know? And, uh, so I realized that in America, when somebody offers you something, you say, sure, if you want to take it, if you don't want it, just don't try the Irish thing. It doesn't work over there. <laughs> There was a bit of Irishness in Jacob, and uh, and Jacob and, and uh, Esau said no. But Jacob said no. You want it? You you'll take it. You take it. Take it. Take it. I want you to have it. It was really important to him. Gifts do not take away the pain, but they do soften the blow. Honesty goes a lot further than gifts, and Jacob was bringing honesty as well as his gifts. Addressing the issue and dealing with it goes further than gifts. Humble recognition of failure paves the way for others to forgive. So Jacob just poured out his heart. I am so sorry for what I did to you. Have you ever apologized to someone like that before? I'm so sorry for what I did. It's beautiful, isn't it? It feels good, doesn't it? And maybe you've been on the other end of someone who apologized to you. Now, I don't know if the typical Irish home doesn't do apologies very well, but it seems to be that way. But I think we need to learn a new way, the Lord's way. And we need to learn to humbly apologize and ask for forgiveness in a genuine way because it goes a long way. But he didn't just uh, bow before and humble himself before the brother he hurt. He didn't just bring gifts to the brother he hurt, but look at it says here in verse 4. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck, so I say, and kissed him, and they wept. Jacob wept before the brother he hurt and offended. There's a lot of emotion going on there, isn't there? Twenty years of pent up emotion just came out. His tears were of regret for what he had done, but they were also of relief that that Esau could forgive him. The pent of emotion could finally be released. Brothers were reconciled. To deal with the past, we must confront it. To deal with the past, number two, we must deal with regret. But finally, to move on, we must be part of what God is doing now. So we need to leave the past in the past. So what I'm talking about is the past, 2023, 2022, all the way back as far as you know you need to deal with. But now we need to move on. Because we talked about those things so we can move on. The theme for 2024 is Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus said, I will build my church. Christ wants to build his church this year, brethren. And he wants to build his church with you. God wants you to be part of what he's doing here in Gospel Baptist Church. You know, he wants to build his church with precious souls being saved. Perhaps if you're one of those people God is after. And you haven't yet bowed the knee before him. He wants to build this church with you. Perhaps you have come to him in repentance. 
You have trusted in his death, burial, and resurrection. You've trusted in the cross, the blood of the cross that was shed for your sins. You've repented, you've put your faith in him. But now the next step is baptism. You can't build a church. People don't join the church. You have to get baptized during the church. Maybe that's the next step for you. Maybe you have been baptized. But you're not a member of the church. You say, I've been baptized, I haven't joined the church yet. I love this church. Doctrinally, I agree with the church. I want to join the church. That's the next step for you. That's how God wants to build his church. He wants to build his church with you. Christ wants to build his church that way, but he also wants to build his church with uh, people coming back to the Lord. There are some people who fall away from the Lord. So how do you know if I fall away? Are you as far along now in your Christian life as you were several years ago? Or have you slipped backwards? Are you less involved? Less under preaching? Less in your Bible? Less in prayer? Less faithful? If the less fits into your category, then you backslid. God wants you to slide forwards, okay? He wants you to move forwards. He wants to build his church with you. Do you feel like a sheep that has wandered astray? Are you ready to come home and return to the bishop of your souls? Christ wants to build his church with you. You say, well, I'm already a member of the church. I try to get involved as much as I can. But Christ still wants to build his church with you. Are you ready to move on to maturity? There are always areas of our life where we can change. Isn't that true? Are you ready to move on to maturity? There are some needs in this church. People need to get more involved in the ministries or in the maintenance of this church. There's some building work that needs to be done. You've got gifts, you've got abilities. God wants to use you. God can build this church through you, through you if you're willing. Maybe, maybe you're doing these things. Maybe you're serving in your church. But is there something in your past that came up this morning that God has put his finger on you and said, you know what? You need to leave this in the past. You need to deal with this. You need to confront this with you. Or is there something that has come up in your past and you're aware of it, but you're resisting God. You're fighting God over. Or are you carrying a weight on your shoulders? Do you have regret? Brethren, you can't move forward into 2024 until you deal first with the regret. God wants to bless your life. He wants to pour out his grace upon your life. Please don't stand in the way of that. Don't stop what God wants to do in your life. Deal with the past. If there are people you have offended, go to those people and confess it and come clean before them. Weep with them if necessary, but don't let go of that relationship until you're fully reconciled. Deal with the past. Fix that relationship with God that has been so badly strained. Then, and then only, will you be free to serve him in 2024. I think we all want to be free, don't we? So I'm laying out from the scripture how we can be free. 
Your family needs you rightly related with God. Your church needs you rightly related with God. You need for you to be rightly related with God. I wonder how many times, or should I say, how many in here would truly love to serve God in their lives, but they feel held back by something in their past. If that's you this morning, deal with that. Confront it today. Why not be like Jacob? Leave the past in the past so you can move on in 2024 with a fresh slate. Does that sound good? A clean slate. Start all over again and make the spiritual decisions that God wants you to make. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Can you do that?